is Maeve in America, the holiday special. Our show is immigration stories told by the people who've lived them. In this episode, I'm whizzing around New York City, meeting people from all over the world who've made a home in this iconic city of immigrants. Here is New York. We've got Hanukkah, Kwanzaa and Christmas all happening right now. And Diwali and Eid, well, they happen in the last few months and Chinese New Year happens next month. What else? Oh, Taco Tuesday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all deeply religious holidays. In his book, Here is New York, E.B. White says this place is made up of, really, three cities. One is born and bred New Yorkers, two is the commuters coming and going like the tide, and three, strangers who have pulled up stakes somewhere and come to town, seeking sanctuary or fulfilment or some greater or lesser grail. And I love this part. The collision and the intermingling of these millions of foreign-born people representing so many races and creeds makes New York a permanent exhibit of the phenomenon of one world. Isn't that so beautiful? And it's true. I mean, New York is not perfect, but we definitely try. And that one world idea, that reality, well, unfortunately, it's under threat by the anti-immigrant outlook of our president-elect and his gang. It's pretty lame of Trump to be a nativist, considering he's a New Yorker and he's married to an immigrant and his mother was an immigrant and his girlfriend is an immigrant. <gasps> I've given myself away. What have I done? In bed, he calls me Maeve America Great Again. <laughs> so, will our government forsake us? I don't know. The mayor of New York City has been sticking up for immigrants. This audio is from a video Bill de Blasio tweeted this week. There's been a horrible denigration of immigrants. You know what? You're aiming at the wrong person. If we were anti-immigrant, we would be against who we are. Immigrants are literally essential to New York City, to the whole history and meaning of New York City. You think of it as a creative and cultural capital, as a place of entrepreneurship and, and striving people, creating new things. That's because of immigration. The spirit of New York, it's absolutely interconnected to immigration. Let's go find some of that New York spirit. It might warm us up. I put on my parka with its furry hood because it's freezing. The first snow is on the ground and I grab my Metro card to get the 7 train to my first stop, Sunnyside, Queens. That wheezing and squeaking isn't because I took the stairs. It's actually the sound of latex balloons being formed into a Christmas wreath. That's Doobie. She lives in this apartment with her husband Emil and her grown-up twin daughters, one of whom is our producer Erica. As Doobie twists tiny red balloons into holly, she tells Erica about Christmas back in her native Colombia. My mother says that back in Colombia, her family makes a really, really big nativity set that like, it's like with a little pond, it actually has real fish, a little lake, a little arch, everything. They say that she says that they go all out for that. The couple lived in this city undocumented until their girls turned 21 and were able to sponsor them. Before he heads out to work as a doorman, Emil stands in the kitchen, aproned and mustachioed, carefully weighing out flour for bonuelos, delicious little fried dough balls with cheese. ¿Qué estás haciendo? 
midiendo el queso, la misma cantidad de queso con la misma cantidad de harina. So one part cheese, one part flour? Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Now, necesitamos moler el queso. To grate the cheese? Yeah. Make home or homemade? Homemade. Oh, this is homemade. <laughs> it's not always been balloons and bonuelos. The Romero family have seen more than their share of tragedy. Emil's brother William was the first in his family to leave Colombia. William was 23 when he and his best friend stowed away on a cargo ship en route to Puerto Rico, their ultimate destination in the US. But William didn't make it. He suffocated in a container. His friend survived. Still, life in Colombia was difficult enough that both Emil and his sister followed in William's footsteps. They made it to the US but had no legal path to citizenship, so lived under the cloud of being undocumented for many years. Emil's sister decided to move back to Colombia, but when she came back to visit the family in the US in 2007, she was detained for having overstayed in the past, and she was deported and banned from re-entry for 10 years. But today, well, it's the start of the holidays. Emil's daughters are doing great and it's a day to celebrate. How many Christmases have you been doing buñuelos for how many years? I think for 25 years. Buñuelos días! Buñuelos días! Buñuelos días? See? Dad jokes work in every language. Hot, hot, hot! Mmm! Mm, very good. Okay, now... It's officially Christmas. It's officially Christmas. It's officially Christmas. I walk a few blocks along Skilman Ave back to the train. Queens is one of the most ethnically diverse communities in the country and I chat to the people I meet about their holiday plans. Not really, I wanted to rest. I work here till the end of the season, Christmas Eve. And the Christmas day, I'll be do totally dead. <laughs> Christmas, we don't have a specific plan, but stay home, eat, drink, that's all. We are Hindus and we're celebrating like Diwali. Diwali is already passed. It's like uh, in October it was. Uh, we decorate uh, home with lights, uh, different colors of lights, uh, red, green, purple, blue, yellow. Her Diwali lights were still up. They will be through the holidays, glittering in her window through the snowy air outside. I was born in the Caribbean, Trinidad, West Indies. I won't be celebrating Christmas because of my religious beliefs. I'm a Muslim and we don't believe that um, Jesus was born on December 25th, so we don't follow the rituals and the traditions of Christmas. But some people have little kids who talk them into it, like this Pakistani lady clutching the hand of a very smiley six-year-old girl. Uh, this holiday, my country, uh, we are Muslim. We don't celebrate, but my daughter is born here. She said, why not Christmas? Said, yes, why not Christmas? We'll do something. I was born in Bhutan. We celebrated Thanksgiving a few weeks ago. And then New Year's up on the way too, so I'm excited. I'm on my way to Greenpoint to meet someone else who's excited. And the reason, unless you're Polish, might surprise you. You buy the alive carp, then you put it in a bathtub, and then you have to kill it. Yikes. Ugh. I love pierogi, I like borscht, but the idea of this big old carp that you need to kill yourself? No. My name is Marta, I, I'm from Poland and I live in New York. My mom kept the carp in the bathtub 
and with water. And next day she clean up all the skin and she cut like for small pieces and she put it in the eggs and flour and to fry it on the oil. In Greenpoint you can still can buy a live carp for Christmas. And it's always fresh and always good and always big and always different sizes, whatever you want. And I'm gonna cook for Christmas Eve. Marta has adopted the very American tradition of making food more convenient. I'm gonna buy the fr- ready to cook already. <laughs> will be much easier and uh, will be like this, but it's the same taste and same style. Speaking of taste and style, this is my niece, Evine. Maeve, I love you. You're about to hear her baby sister crying in the background as I ask Evine what she wants for Christmas. I want you to buy me a new, new, new pony. Really special and I promise I won't lose it. Okay, what kind of pony do you want? Um, purple. When the white lashes. <laughs> I got back on the subway and changed at Atlantic Avenue. Past the Hare Krishnas who ring bells at all times of the year and out into the cold air looking for a toy store. Oof, Flatbush Avenue is busy. Crowds of people on their way to a game at the Barclays Centre. Had I not stumbled upon this, I wouldn't have even known that the Nets were playing the Lakers this evening. I think again of E.B. White, how he said that New York blends the gift of privacy with the excitement of participation. How the city succeeds in insulating the individual, if he wants it, and almost everybody wants or needs it, against all enormous and violent and wonderful events that are taking place every minute. I'm just glad it's not SantaCon, that all-American tradition that seems to be a parade of drunk white people dressed up as Santa. Back in Ireland, we just have plain old Santa and other drunk white people in regular clothes. Speaking of the iconic man of the season... Ho, ho, ho! Here I am, white man, giving out presents. That's not weird. And that's the story you tell your kids. That's Zara Nurbaksh, an Iranian-American comedian and co-host of the brilliant Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast. She is hilarious. On Christmas, when I was a kid, like we're talking like first-generation kid who just landed, parents are figuring out assimilation, parents haven't learned that assimilation is gonna win. Jesus! Even though I was like, well, don't we celebrate all prophets? Can't we get a tree for this prophet? Because that's what this prophet likes, according to everyone in kindergarten. I don't know if I'm gonna speak directly to Muslim parents. The Christmas industry, it's bigger than us, man. It's exhausting. If you have time to fight it, more power to you. Now let's drop by Misha's house. She is Pakistani-American and is making new traditions for herself. It's the first year she's lived alone and she's throwing a party for her friends. And we are about to make some cookies for the holidays. And we're like trying to figure out how many cookies we need to bake. Because I didn't grow up celebrating Christmas, it was never like a set ritual. It is my dream at some point whether or not the Christmas thing works out this year, to have Eid festivities at my house. Because I have a lot of friends who like have pop-up Shabbat at their places and are kind of like 
like modernizing their traditions that they grew up with and taking ownership of them in a way that I think I found it hard to do without a community. Holiday cookies are an old tradition in Vedrina's family. She comes from Bosnia and we find her now in Park Slope shopping for ingredients. So two of my favorite cookies are chocolate kugle, which is like chocolate balls, <laughs> and shape, which means paws. Um, so one of the main ingredients are walnuts. So one of the family traditions that we would have is both my, on my mom's side, um, her parents were farmers, and so they had walnut trees, and so we would get walnuts from from them, and then spend time with with my mom opening them up, cracking them, and then um, crushing them. So here we're gonna get some chopped walnuts. <laughs> Evie White compares the city to a poem. He says a poem compresses much in a small space and adds music, thus heightening its meaning. This city is like poetry. It compresses all life, all races and breeds into a small island and adds music in the accompaniment of internal engines. Surely one such internal engine is community. The Steele family live in Bedstuy and found a new community and a new celebration through an African neighbour. So the Quantum story was about, you know, how people light up candles and how it should be lighting up candles and blowing it for seven days. That's Olivia. She's seven years old, she sings all the time, she's tiny in a bright yellow t-shirt with her hair in a high bun. She's cosy in her living room now in front of a big Christmas tree, watching action movies with her big sister Zipporah. Each day, um, they blow one candle out. The girls are gearing up for Kwanzaa with their older brother Marquise and their mom Nicole, who grew up in Trinidad. I started celebrating Kwanzaa when my first son was four. And um, the woman in the corner house, she was African and she celebrated Kwanzaa. Every year she'll have a Kwanzaa celebration. And they actually put meaning into each day. Instead of just the kids expecting presents, they had to open their minds, their hearts. Um, I feel like what it is is more of a transition so like whatever like problems you've been through you can kind of change all of that and um create a new space for yourself by doing this tradition and um going through the seven candles each day represents something new so you're slowly becoming something else after those seven days whatever candle means it just grows up into like when big family. All of the candles and what it means, it just goes together. My Whistle Stop tour around the holidays in New York City will continue after this super short break. Ding dong, merrily on high, we're back! Before I jump on the train, I check my phone and there's a message from a listener. Get this, Fanula is a Dublin woman who lives in Virginia with her American Jewish husband and kids. They don't really celebrate Christmas, just Hanukkah, but she's always been looking for Christmas crackers, which are a big tradition back home. This Hanukkah, the first day of Hanukkah, is the same as Christmas. So uh, after years of 
struggling to get Christmas crackers for myself in America. They're now widely available uh, um, in the U.S. Because of the occasion this year, I picked up Hanukkah crackers. I'm reading off the back, and it says, Now crackers are for every holiday. This set of eight Hanukkah crackers means one for every day of the holiday. So, of course, I'm going out of my mind, as usual. So that's what it's like. Um, we figure it out. While an Irish woman adapts to hybrid Hanukkah Christmas crackers, an Israeli couple, Rona and Ilan, are feeling the relief that comes when you're an immigrant who's no longer obligated to perform the rituals of your home country. We're not really doing the holidays thing. And I have to say that one of the things we like most about being here, my husband and I, is that we don't have to do holidays. Uh, because when you're in Israel with your family, you have to do the holidays. They pressure you. And um, my husband and I both really hate it. We hate anything that really becomes a ritual. It becomes kind of empty and there's so much stress about it and everyone's shopping for it and most of the Jewish holidays are about stupid wars that somehow we didn't get killed and now we're eating a lot to celebrate it. Surely that eating a lot part is totally worth holding on to. I mean, I'm not a big churchgoer, but I would step on your neck to get at that Christmas pudding with brandy butter. Rona remains a staunch advocate of the Hanukkah donuts. The Hanukkah donuts, instead of a hole, there's a jelly injected into the donut. It's just like fluffier and... Yummier. I mean, no offense to the American donut. Sugary treats unite us all. For one of the country's brightest comedy stars, Kumal Nanjiani, all-day dessert is the dream. I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, and now I live in Los Angeles, California. Kumal is best known for his roles on Silicon Valley and the meltdown on Comedy Central. He moved to the U.S. when he was 19. The one thing I would do is when I would be alone... Um, for Christmas is I would go to a bakery and I would buy a bunch of stuff and I would sort of have a dessert day. Like I would just eat, for every meal, I would just eat a different dessert, multiple desserts. And so with my wife now, when we don't leave L.A., we'll go and we'll just get a ton of dessert cakes, cookies, cheesecakes, pies, and just eat that all day. Dessert day. See, I told you it was the dream. This year, himself and his wife, Emily, are coming to New York to see family and break bread. Well, break a lot more than bread. They have sort of a Christmas breakfast with their aunts and uncles and cousins. And then we get back to their house, her parents' house, around 11. Everyone takes a nap. And then early evening, we we order from a bunch of different restaurants, a bunch of different ethnic foods. So we'll order, like, Indian food, Chinese food, but also, like, burgers and stuff too it's just kind of all over the place kind of pizza like just a kind of grab back kind of meal on christmas evening i love these traditions that you guys have invented it's incredible yeah it's great <laughs> it's great and um, do you miss anything about the holidays back home well eid what we would do for eid was we would get up super early in the morning um like 6 a.m there's this like big service prayer thing that you do and then our tradition was me 
my dad and my brother would sort of visit a bunch of different families. So we'd go to like 15 different houses. And my mom is at home with my grandfather because people are visiting us too, you know? Yeah. And there's a little circuit. And so you go and everybody has a little, you know, different spread of food and you eat it. And the traditional gift you get is like cash, which is the best gift possible. So so you'd get like envelopes at each place and you get in the car and you add it up. And there was always like one aunt who... You know, we didn't know that well, but I don't know if she was lonely or what, but she would always give way more money than anybody else. <laughs> but she wasn't, like, high priority for my family to visit because we weren't, like, super close. But me and my brother were always like, hey, we got to go visit that aunt. <laughs> it's super important. <laughs> Just the kids get money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly like me at home in Ireland at Christmas. We would go around to all our aunts and uncles' houses, you know. Would everyone meet up at a house or would you sort of go visit? No, we didn't fit because in my family there was like eight kids. So it sounds kind of like your system where a few people would stay in our home and then everyone would just like circulate around the island. <laughs> oh, wow. You're one of eight kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I know. That's I awesome. know. Like five too many. Five too many. I can name them. I can name the ones, the extra ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I went on to name the five sisters I could do without. They are me. Just joking. I love every single one of them. Plus, I'm going home for Christmas this year and I do not want to get in trouble. I'm lucky because I get to go home for the holidays. First of all, this year I can afford it. Not every immigrant can. And secondly, I have a visa that allows me to come and go. For the 11 million undocumented immigrants here, it's a different story. They are stuck. To leave is to risk the life they have created for themselves in America. Uh, my name is Pat. I'm from Kilworth, County Cork, Ireland. Um, I immigrated to America in 2004 and I decided to take a chance and make a move, you know, uh, to see if things were better on the other side. Pat holds down a good job in construction, but he doesn't have papers and he shares the fear of deportation that many undocumented people have, as well as the pain of being away from family. You know, there's a constant fear, even though I'm, I have I have a good job and, you know, my, a lot of things are going good for me, I, I still worry a lot. Simple things like, um, you know, my, my sister's having kids and stuff and... Never been able to see them, you know. The holidays are hard for him and he misses home. There's a lot of moments where, even though I'm surrounded by millions of people, and I'm just alone here, you know. Back in Ireland, Pat's sister Colette and his mother Una are missing him too. I guess Christmas is the one time of year where families are together and you're to be a family and part of just can't be part of that Christmas because you can't come home. And like Christmas Day, like we'll be counting back the five hours, you know, what time it is over there and, you know, to make contact with him for Christmas Day. And he's missed very much. For many immigrants who can't be with their family at this time of year, rituals from home mean everything. Like this Mexican-American posada kicking off in Sunset Park, in a big hall filled with games and balloons, giddy children play chase. 
taking a break to refuel on churros and hot chocolate until eventually they settle down, colouring in decorative paper flowers with crayons. So, so today we're here to celebrate a traditional posada, which is something that happens in Mexico and some other parts of Latin America. That's Juan Aguera of Mano a Mano, a nonprofit dedicated to celebrating Mexican culture. He organized the event, and he's here now wearing a cream guibera shirt with intricate green embroidery, explaining the meaning of a posada. So what we do is we recreate the story of um, Mary and Joseph when they go from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, and then where Jesus is born, in the way from one town to the other, they were asking for lodging, right? So posada means, means lodging. What we do is we sing, we do sort of like caroling, uh, asking for lodging uh, along the way. Uh, so we do a little procession. Uh, and for us it's important to, 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 t- to tell that story because at the end it is related in many ways to many members of our community as immigrants. One of the things that happens, you know, maybe people who are unable to travel, who are undocumented, this is meaningful to them. But it's also very meaningful for people who are U.S. citizens, who are legal, who don't go back to uh, Mexico because they don't have enough money to save. Or the other thing is because they don't have a place to go there because we haven't been in Mexico in a while, this is such a fun party, and so we always like to come so we can eat the food and, like, you know, just get a little bit of the culture that we don't, we don't get to experience because we haven't been in Mexico in a while. Ah, it's just expensive. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's another Juan here, too. He came to the Posada for a taste of home. Wearing glasses and a big overcoat, he leans on his cane near a table piled high with tostados and tamales and takes in the singing and dancing going on around him. I like to enjoy the Mexican traditions, the food, the, the, the songs, the piñatas. The people come to enjoy this. I'm from Mexico City. He's been in the U.S. undocumented for eight years now. Uh, I'm not back to Mexico because I have a problem here with the lawyer. Maybe I come back to Mexico soon. Problems with lawyers, no papers, no path to citizenship for so many undocumented immigrants who pay taxes and raise families and contribute to society in so many ways. Well, it does seem particularly cruel at the holidays. But the fear of what the new year and the new president might bring also looms large. Here's Juan Aguera again, reliving the day Donald Trump was elected. Personally, I think it was one of the saddest days of my life. A lot of calls from people in our community, uh, you know, what's going on, what's going to happen, are we going to be deported, my son, my, my mom, this and that, because a lot of our families are mixed status, you know, some of us may be undocumented and some of us may be U.S. citizens or U.S. residents. And so, you know, if people are deported, all of us are going are gonna to hurt. Uh, His advice to the worried people calling? Look, if you have family uh, who isn't documented within within your your core family, you have to make a plan. You have to talk to them about, okay, if you are detained, this is the steps that you need to take, this is what you need to do. Uh, so it is, we don't want people to be afraid, but at the same time, we want them to be ready. So what we've been telling people is, you know, prepare for the worst case scenario. 
This fear and uncertainty about what will happen next year under the Trump administration is palpable amongst many immigrants. Because, of course, the president-elect ran on a strong anti-immigration platform and regularly targeted specific groups, like Mexicans and Muslims. Being an immigrant, being a brown person and facing into 2017, do you have any feelings about that that you'd like to share? I can't believe I have to say this out loud. I felt like we were part of it. I felt like we were fighting battles that I thought we'd won years ago. That's Kamal Nanjiani again. Although he's a well-known comic and actor living in the liberal coastal city of LA, he's experienced some instances of abuse in the past couple of months himself. I asked him if he has any advice for New Yorkers who've seen an uptick in violence and hate crimes since Trump got elected. So I would say I hope nobody feels ashamed of who they are or what they believe in, but ultimately also just just keep yourself physically safe, you know. And I know when somebody says something racist to you, intellectually you feel like it's their fault and not yours, but it really does it's very flattening. It can all this other stuff about you has been reduced to this one thing, and it makes you feel very small. And eventually, you can intellectualize and get out of it. But emotionally, in the moment, it can be a very harmful thing. The citizens of New York are tolerant not only from disposition but from necessity. That's one of the last parts of "Here Is New York." The city has to be tolerant, says White, otherwise it would explode in a radioactive cloud of hate and rancour and bigotry. If the people were to depart even briefly from the peace of cosmopolitan intercourse, the town would blow up higher than a kite. In New York, smoulders every race problem there is, but the noticeable thing is not the problem, but the inviolate truce. How many immigrants live in New York? Do you know? Sure, yes, we do. <laughs> um, so. It'd be funny if you were like, I don't know. I am not sure. <laughs> Let me find out for you. <laughs> I'm at the mayor's office downtown. Well, kind of. They didn't actually let me near Bill de Blasio because I'm so much taller than him. Instead, I met this lady wearing a stripy sweater and a glittering nose stud. My name is Kavita Powerya Sanchez, and I'm the Assistant Commissioner at the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs. I had some pretty tough questions for Kavita in the form of that old journalistic game, Two Truths and a Lie. Number one, the highest number of immigrants per capita to New York City come from the Dominican Republic. That does not include Drake, who is widely rumored to be Dominican. (laughs) Two, reports of hate crimes are up by 35% in New York City, and arrests for hate crimes are up by 45%. Three. Gracie Mansion is haunted by the ghost of Anthony Weiner. I think the last one is a lie. <laughs> yes, sadly, the one, um, according to NYPD Chief of Detectives, Robert Boyce, there's been an uptick in racially motivated attacks mm-hmm. since the election. Yeah, not even the ghost of Anthony Weiner has been reported near Gracie Mansion. And Drake is not Dominican. Do you know where Drake is from? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you don't know where Drake is from? I don't. Could you guess? Canada? Yeah, he's Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) I only know that because I'm also Canadian. (laughs) You're Canadian? Oh my god. Wait, do you have to be an immigrant to work here? No. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, Gloria Estefan came to the US as a refugee. Number two, immigrants are more likely to be entrepreneurs than native-born Americans. And number three, white people are not immigrants, we're expats. Number three is a lie. Yes. 
A 2008 study commissioned by the Small Business Administration found that immigrants are nearly 30% more likely to start a business than non-immigrants. Gloria Estefan moved here from Cuba as a toddler, a toddler with an extraordinary sense of rhythm. <laughs> I asked Kavita about that word E.B. White used to describe the city, a sanctuary. The same word used to basically denote cities that offer some level of support to their undocumented residents. So the term sanctuary is complicated. Mm -hmm. I think all the easiest way to speak to it is really thinking about our values. And our values have always been to protect the, the privacy, the integrity, the dignity of New Yorkers um, to the fullest extent of the law. We have an immigration legal services program called Action NYC um, and a citizenship program called New York Citizenship. And, and those programs offer free immigration legal services to any immigrant New Yorker who is looking. And we know that that need will be more uh, critical than ever before. We're really um, thinking about how can we best protect our our residents um, in this time where it's it it seems clear that cities um, will really be at the forefront of protecting people's rights. Oh man, New York City is the best. I should be the mayor, but I'm not. This guy is. Remember? And here's my promise to you as your mayor. We will use all the tools at our disposal to stand up for our people. If all Muslims are required to register, we will take legal action to block it. If the federal government wants our police officers to tear immigrant families apart, we will refuse to do it. If the federal government tries to deport law-abiding New Yorkers, we will step in to protect them and their families. If Jews or Muslims or members of the LGBT community or any community are victimized and attacked, we will find their attackers, we will arrest them, we will prosecute them. This is New York. Nothing about who we are changed on Election Day. We are always New York. Somos Siempre Nueva York. That is our show. Thank you so much to all of the New Yorkers who took part in today's show and allowed us to record their holidays. And thank you listeners, it was a lot of fun to get your amazing messages and I'm sorry that we couldn't use them all. Maven America is a joint production of Pretty Good Friends and First Look Media. This episode was produced by Shayna Feinberg and Erica Romero with help from Rose Reed, Julie Smith-Clem, Naomi Westwater-Weeks, Matt Schiltz and Pat Mercedes-Miller who wrote our theme music. This show was engineered by Chris Keane and Cameron Drews. A la familia Romero Querida, gracias por todo. Special thanks to the wonderful organization across the Atlantic, Migrant Rights Ireland, who provided the footage of Pat and his family, and to Mano a Mano, Mexican Culture Without Borders, and the Mixteca organization for inviting us to their posada. We were so lucky to have Emmy the Great and Tim Wheeler's permission to use their beautiful song, Home for the Holidays, from their gorgeous album, This Is Christmas. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, too, to Lital Molad and all the ho-ho-hos at First Look Media for their help this year. 
Now, please be a sweetheart and rate and review this show on iTunes. Stop by our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter for photos and videos of some of the traditions you've heard about today. Okay, I gotta go. I still have to find that pony. What kind of pony was it again? Purple. When the white lashes. Oh, yes. All right. I wish Merry America and Happy New York to you all. Brother and sister, sing with me. All of the naughty kids are naughty today.